As your pastor, I want you to know and be reminded of what your ties enable us as a church to do as you give to our budget each year. Uh, right off the top of our budget, 20% of your ties go directly out of our bank accounts to invest in those who are outside the walls of our church. 13% of that goes directly to the Southern Baptist Cooperative Program for missions throughout the world, North America, even on a state level. Uh, the rest of that 20% goes towards our mission efforts in West Africa, uh, locally here in our food programs, and even our Baptist Association. Uh, we believe it is necessary for us not to be inwardly focused, and we budget our money to show that we care about people outside these four walls and that we care about them coming to Christ. About half of our budget, which our annual budget is about $600,000, but half of that goes to support men and women in full-time and part-time ministry. Those of us who are paid by our church consider it an honor and a privilege uh, to be supported by this body so that we can invest in full-time and part-time ministry. Your ties each week uh, allow us to support our families and invest our whole lives in ministry here in Huntington and beyond. We as a church believe that investing in people who are called to ministry is important, and our budget reflects that. Uh, our church also invests about 6% of our budget, or about $36,000 each year, into our children's and preteen and youth ministries. This age group is such a critical time in spiritual formation, and we spend money to help our kids grow in the Lord through camps, mission trips, Wednesday night programs, retreats, and other spiritual marker experiences. These tithe dollars earmarked for children and youth have a huge return on investment year after year. We spend about 4% of our budget on other quote-unquote inside the church ministries like life groups, worship, men's and women's ministries, and our Most Excellent Way program. We believe it is important for men and women also to grow in their understanding and love of God, and so we invest in that. Less than 20% of our total budget, your tithes, as a church go towards operations and building maintenance. We do have to keep the lights on, the air conditioners running, the printers printing, and insurance premiums paid. We seek to be good stewards of your tithes so that more and more of our money can go towards advancing the gospel and not just in maintaining our building. As your pastor, I want to say thank you to those who give consistently of your tithe. Uh, we believe your investment monetarily makes a huge impact in what we are doing as a church. Uh, if you don't give, uh, I want to encourage you that you would invest not just your presence here, but also your money here because we believe it is a valuable investment for God's kingdom. I would also say if you have questions or opinions about how the money is spent at the church, I would encourage you to come to our monthly family conferences and that's a time that we talk, we sit out as a family and we talk about how the money is spent and how we can better 
invest God's resources in the building of his kingdom. Thank you. The challenge for us as a church is to make sure that what God provides for us in our time, in our talents, in our money, that we use that, those resources, uh, to make an eternal impact on our world. And we are in a time of year as a church that we are uh, budgeting, uh, establishing a budget, developing a budget for 2019. It is a time that we as a church family uh, meet together and we talk about what it is that God wants to do and how we are going to use the resources that he has provided us uh, to fulfill uh, the mission that he has given us to do. And so y'all pray for us. You be a part of that process as you have opportunity. And um, the significant part of that to me is that we would make sure that whatever we are doing, we are doing to make an eternal impact on our world. In fact, the church is the only thing I can really think of uh, that says we are here to make an e eternal impact. Not just this world, but we believe for eternity. Jesus spoke about laying up treasures in heaven. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, uh, Jesus says, uh, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus, obviously, in the Sermon on the Mount, is giving a number of uh, components to what he would see as a, as a kingdom perspective of what his, what his kingdom was all about. And here we have uh, three verses, and actually he continues this, this thought on through uh, the end of chapter 6. But he talks about this contrast between treasures on earth and treasures in heaven. Um, and I think it's a pretty significant contrast that Jesus makes. And what he is saying is we can either store up our valuables on this earth or we can store up our valuables in heaven. I got to looking at this particular word uh, that Jesus uses for treasure and uh, I remember when I was in Greek, it may not have been 101, it may have been 201. Um, I memorized this vocabulary word because this word for treasure is the Greek word that we get our word thesaurus from. And so it was just a little, and thesaurus, Robin, I don't know if you want to remind us what a thesaurus is, but... Uh, Later, Robin said, I'll, I'll talk about what a thesaurus is. I don't know. I have a thesaurus in my office. And a thesaurus, if you don't remember from English class, is a book of synonyms. 
a thesaurus. Uh, actually, I have a copy, Brother Shane, of Roger's thesaurus. Right, in fact, it's right there next to my computer on the first shelf to the right. Uh, it is a treasury of synonyms, of words that are the same. And so if you have one word and you're going, hey, I'm writing this paper and I keep using this same word over and over, you go to the, your thesaurus and uh, write out a different word. You're looking for a synonym. Uh, thesaurus is a treasury of synonyms or words that are the same. Uh, but what I realized that also when Jesus, Jesus didn't use it in that way. Uh, Jesus used it as uh, a storehouse uh, that contained those things that you considered valuable. In fact, it's used several times in the scripture, and Jesus may have this in mind. I think he's really speaking of a treasure chest, a treasure chest like we would think of. And if you think about it, in ancient times, they didn't have bank accounts. They didn't have safe deposit boxes. They needed a, some kind of container that uh, stored their valuables. Jesus uses it in this way later in one of his parables of the kingdom. In Matthew 13, 44, he says, And the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And so apparently in that parable, Jesus is talking about a man who's digging and he comes across something buried under the ground that somebody maybe years before had put there for safekeeping and maybe had died. And it's a, I think literally a treasure box. And so this word denotes either the treasure chest or box, storehouse, or it refers to those valuables that are inside of it. But the significance, Jesus says, as you live your life, you can either store up treasures on earth or you can store up treasures in heaven. Now, it's, it's significant because the return for the investment. And what Jesus does, what he speaks to us to motivate us to say, no, you need to be laying up treasures in heaven, is he, he says that when you lay up treasures on earth, the reality is, is there's going to be moss, there's going to be uh, rust from corrosion, and there are going to be thieves that are breaking in. Everything in life, and surely you know this principle, is working against us storing up treasure. Now, Jesus talked about moss, and you thought, well, that's not one of those I actually thought was going to get my valuables. But, but in reality, in ancient times, garments were considered very valuable, and they were passed down. They were, they were very expensive. But the reality is, if you stored up a garment and the moss got to it, it's ruined, and you've lost that which was valuable. Almost anything else that you can think of over time is going to corrode. Uh, nature is working against us, preserving things, whatever that is. And if nature doesn't get it, the reality is somebody else is looking to get it. In fact, it's kind of interesting when Jesus said, no, where thieves break in, that word break in literally means to dig through a, a as dig through as if through a, uh, 
uh, a house that was made of mud bricks that you could literally bust through. Somebody had locked the door, but you go, I mean, if thieves want to get in, they're going to get in. And in ancient times, that was certainly the case. No, they were going to dig through your wall. They knew you had something valuable inside of there, and they're going to steal it. Jesus' point is if the focus of your life is, is investing and storing up treasure on this earth, everything is working against you. I want to say to you this morning that the reality is even if you preserve it in a safe deposit box, in a bank account, whatever it is, you're not going to take it with you someday it's either going to be gone or it's going to be somebody else's. You can even take the stock market, I don't know, what, about a week ago? Yeah, about 5% of everything I have invested was gone in the course of about two days. About 5%, just like, boop, just like that. Doesn't take long. I didn't have any control over it. Uh, and if, you've, if you're invested in the stock market... Whether you realize it or not, that week, you lost 5% of yours too. And you never know. Because, but that's the reality of this life. And that's what Jesus was saying. Everything is working against you. You're going to lose that someday. And the question is, why am I investing in that? Now, for us as a church, for us as a church, we have to think, what are we going to invest in? Are we going to invest in things that are of this world? Or will we invest in things that are eternal, a treasure in heaven? Because what Jesus said in great contrast, treasure on earth, where thieves break in, and I mean, where the moths and rust destroy it, and where thieves break in and steal he said, but there is treasure you can lay up in heaven. And the great contrast to that is where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. The place that you focus to store up your treasure is of great significance. And my question this morning then is, how do we lay up treasures in heaven? How do we do that? What does Jesus ask us to do as a church? And the only thing I can think of is this. That the only thing that is eternal in this world now, this is just the way Daryl Smith processes this, okay? The only thing that is eternal in this world is people. Everything else in this room someday will be gone. Something's going to happen to everything you can see in this room. It's going to be gone one way or the other. The only thing in this room that is eternal is people. And I don't want to get too theological, and our, our bodies 
even someday are going to die, corrode. And we came from the dust. The Bible says we will return to the dust. I understand that someday through the power of the resurrection, Jesus will come again and redeem that body. But our body is corroding. The only thing that makes us eternal in this room is our soul. That was the breath of God that was given to us at creation. And the Bible says to be absent from the body for us as believers is to be present with the Lord. So that the moment that we die, our body dies, our soul, that eternal part of us, goes to be with God. Now, what I'm asking you to do is to apply your theology to the way that we live as a church and to say, therefore, how shall we invest our time, our talents, and our money as a church? Jesus would teach us, let's make sure that we invest in that which is eternal, which is people. And even more specifically, let us make sure that we share the gospel with people so that they live eternally with God. That is, bottom line, that's all we are about as a church. is to make sure that we impact people for eternity. Now, I don't know how all to apply this scripture to us as a church when Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. But I could probably use, I could say some things. And some people probably, I could say things about other churches. Probably other churches could say things about us and question whether we are laying up treasures on earth or we are laying up treasures on heaven. There's a point for churches that we could build buildings and have certain things that uh, do not necessarily have eternal significance. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's a balance. Somewhere. We have to have buildings, and I'm going to talk about that. We have to have things. We have to have spaces to meet. We really like the air conditioning, although I don't know that the air is even kicked on yet this morning, but uh, I'm, blow I'm blowing some hot sm some, some smoke right now. It's going to heat up in here as we continue to meet. But do you understand what I'm saying? Part of the the challenge for us as a church, let's make sure that we're not investing in earthly things that someday will be gone. Let's make sure we invest in eternal things, which are people, and when we do that, we impact eternity. And so, if you just take what we do, and a budget for us as a church is simply a strategy to say, how are we going to use our resources to impact eternity? Um, I talked about in the video of how really over about 20% of our budget really right off the top goes to ministries that are outside our four walls. It's a statement off the top that says, we are not about investing in our kingdom here we are in, about investing in God's kingdom. How are we going to take the gospel to people to impact eternity so that people are changed? That's, that's storing up treasures in heaven because it changes people's eternity 
for us as a church, uh, we have made a commitment years ago. Brother Ted, I don't know when that all started, but when I got here, uh, as I remember, we were giving 13, and we still are, 13% uh, of our undesignated receipts, everything that we receive, uh, unless it's designated, 13% of that goes to the cooperative program. If you weren't raised Baptist, or even if you were raised Baptist, you may not even know what the cooperative program is. The cooperative program is a way that we as Southern Baptists pool our money so that the gospel goes into all the world. And through the cooperative program, we primarily fund missions. Now, we also, there's a smaller percentage of that that funds our seminaries and actually our colleges. But the intent behind that is to train, primarily, most of the money in that education realm goes to seminaries, to train our pastors, our missionaries uh, that will go out and serve the world. But when we talk about giving 13% of the cooperative program, it starts in the state of Texas. Uh, missions money there, North American missions, it goes to international missions. It is the way that we fund uh, our missionaries that go around the world and share the gospel and establish churches and extend the kingdom of God in places that you and I will never go. And I think at present we have about 4,000 missionary, full-time missionaries out on the field as Southern Baptists. Um, recently, two weeks ago, the church staff had opportunity that we were invited to an uh, International Mission Board Summit in which the International Mission Board brought in 160 of those uh, to Woodstock, Georgia. And we were able to spend, it was 48 hours with them, uh, strategizing. There were about 600 of us church leaders from around the United States with 160 missionaries and IMB personnel uh, staff strategizing how can we partner together uh, more effectively to make sure that the gospel goes to as many people as possible. One of the things that struck me, and I've told this to several people since we've been back, one of the things that struck me is that the missionaries had uh, alien, aliases, aliases uh, on their name tags. And I know Byron and I went to a session. I cannot even, I will not even give you in general terms what part of the world this man serves in, but Byron and I were in a small group. There was a man uh, who was taking the gospel. I, I can't even speak the name of this country, but you could imagine there's about three or four or five countries in the world you, that are atheist, uh, communist regimes, uh, where the gospel is not allowed and is illegal. <laughs> uh, he had some kind of alias on his uh, name tag, and even when we would write on the board and he would talk about what he was doing, he would just use one letter uh, to even refer to his alias. Um, and he was a little... Does the term sketch mean anything to you? <laughs> he was a little sketchy, and, and he told us, where he was serving and what they were doing to get believers into this country that I'm not allowed to say to you right now for his own safety. But I'm thinking, wow. Do you understand when we give to the cooperative program, that money gets to that missionary 
and all of us as Southern Baptists to, to make that happen. 13% goes to the cooperative program so that the gospel can go so that people are impacted uh, eternally. We give 2% of our budget, if you don't know this, uh, for Africa missions. Uh, we adopted a people group. I'm really not even supposed to say that publicly. Uh, but y'all know where I'm talking about in Guinea. Um, and we've been going for a number of years now. Um, quite honestly, for me as a pastor, it is, and I generally go twice a year, it is the time that my life and my Christian faith is more on the edge than any other time. I'm just telling you, y'all aren't very edgy people, okay? But you put me in the rainforest of that section of West Africa with people that are 99.9% Muslim and give me the opportunity and I know I shared this several weeks ago in my report but really for me it was that one village that last night to sit with those men who had never heard the story of Jesus and what just hit me in the face was the man when I alluded to the death of Jesus he stopped and he said, can you tell me how Jesus died? And I just, it's like saying, sick him to a dog. It's like, oh. I literally stood up from my chair. <laughs> got in the middle of the circle, which probably wasn't culturally appropriate. But I, and I just acted out the crucifixion. And then you just can't end with the crucifixion because you've got to talk about him being raised from the dead. I'm sorry, that's what happens to that microphone. <laughs> Crazy. Um, but, but I'm saying people's eternities are at stake and we commit money we commit money to uh, another 1% to our uh, local Baptist association for kingdom work missions and ministry uh, here in our area got a call actually yesterday at home from one of the people that's over our disaster relief feeding trailer to say in another week we are deploring, deploring, deploying uh, to Florida to feed meals uh, in those areas that were affected by Hurricane Michael. Um, a way that we take the gospel. For us as a church, we also do missions here in Huntington, Texas. Our food program touches Five to six hundred people's lives every month as a way that we are demonstrating love. We are drawing them in to an opportunity to hear of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to change their eternity, loving them in practical ways. Our most excellent way program, quite honestly, the most excellent way program. Not something that we uh, have to commit a lot of money to, but it's time and it's talents and it's people that we commit. But it is a way that we demonstrate love. We draw people in to share the gospel that they might be impacted eternally. And so, I, I don't know, you can kind of put all that together to understand that around 20 or a little over 20% of our money goes outside the four walls of this church off the top 
Um, we also commit as a church to impact uh, those children and youth. And in our church, there's an there's a intermediate uh, bridge between children and youth that we call Agency 56. That is our fifth and sixth graders. The reason we commit money to that and staff members to that is that because there is a window of opportunity in youth and children that we can share the gospel. We know in practical terms that the easiest time to reach somebody with the gospel of Christ and changes their, change their eternity is when they are young. And so we set aside money, programs, people to impact our children, our fifth and sixth graders, and our youth. Even the ministries that are within our church, inside these four walls, whether that's life groups, whether that's men's, whether that's women's, whether that's worship, whatever it is that we're committing resources in, hear me on this. All of those inside the four wall ministries, please understand this, are not about us. It's about developing people to go out and impact the world with the gospel. Do you understand that? The reason we have life groups, the reason we have worship in here on Sunday morning, the reason our men and our women have ministry events and, and times together, fourth night, whatever that is, is that God might develop us into people who are sent out with the gospel either on a daily basis or wherever that is or whatever that looks like that people's lives might be changed eternally uh, I stated it in the video the reality is is that about 50% of our budget is for full-time and part-time staff um And we feel very blessed that you take care of us in that way that we might devote full or some part-time to serving what God wants to do in this place. Uh, one of the things that we do as a staff every week uh, is we are accountable for how we spend our time and what we do and the people that we connect with. And uh, we've been doing this for years. The reality is we are not here to administer programs. We are here to impact people. And therefore, in staff meeting, we are accountable. Who were the people? Who were the people? Not what programs did you run, what administrative tasks did you take. And we have to do those things. But it's not about the programs it's about people. If people aren't being impacted, it doesn't really matter what programs we have. We consider it a full and part-time staff as a privilege to be able to serve and for you as a church to take care of us that we can give our lives to that. The church's challenge is to make sure that we are storing up, as Jesus said, treasures 
in heaven. Investing our time, our talents, and our money to make an eternal impact. And we come together as a a family, and we make those decisions. And I'm not saying it's always exactly right, but the goal ought to always be to make an eternal impact. And so I take the words of Jesus this morning as a challenge for us as a church that we do not lay up for ourselves treasures on earth, but we lay up treasures in heaven that we would make an eternal impact. Obviously today, that comes down to a personal level to you. Also to say with my life, I will not make the focus of my life laying up treasures on earth. But I will make sure that I will use my time, my talent, and my money for storing up treasures in heaven. We believe your investment in our church is an opportunity for you to do that, to make an eternal impact. And we challenge you to do that. There's three things I want to say to close, and then I'm finished. These are my three points now. That was my introduction. I'm joking. You've been with me so long. Have I ever preached a three-point sermon? Hopefully there is a point. I don't, it's been a long time since I point. Three things. First thing, I don't work on commission. It, <laughs> that was sort of a joke. Anyhow, that's fine. I, your pastor does not work on commission. I don't make more money because you give more money. The church just doesn't work like that. And that's actually probably good for my family's financial yeah, stability. Um, my concern, the church has always taken care of me very generously. My concern when I call on us and you to give and to be invested in what we are doing as a church is about the kingdom of God and expanding his kingdom and impacting people for eternity. I don't make more money because you give more money. I want you to give more money that we might make more of an eternal impact on our world. That's number one. These are all, some of these are kind of funny actually. Number two, I'm cheap. Several of you that know me, First time you've ever in 20 years said amen in the church. You just said amen. <laughs> and my wife, she, she sure knows this. I say that <laughs> to let you know that we will do everything we can never to waste what you commit to give to the church, whether that's time, that's talents, or that's money. We will do everything we can to be good stewards of what you give. Part of that is because that's the way I was raised. I'm cheap. I don't like to waste money. My phrase was, I was not raised during the Depression. I was raised by people who were raised during the Depression. 
my grandmama, my mama washed off aluminum foil and saved it. And I was convicted yesterday when I wadded up that piece of aluminum foil and threw it in the trash. And I thought, my grandmama right now is going, boy, waste not, want not. You could have washed that off. There wasn't anything wrong with that. So in some ways I'm cheap. In other ways I'm just a product of my day in which I live. We're not saving your aluminum foil at the church. I just need to go ahead and say that either. The third thing is I am a tither. Don't have time to tell you that story. You've heard it. Most of you. The reason I say that is I do not ask you to do anything that I do not do myself. Uh, And um, I know you don't know that. Our, our giving in our church is confidential. I, I, I don't know. I ought to say that. I don't know what you give unless you tell me. Jeannie's not actually authorized to let me look at what you give. And what I say is there's only one person in this church that you can ask for their giving statement. You can walk in the church tomorrow morning. And you want to say, I want to see Brother Darrell's giving statement for the last 19 and a half years. Jeannie may be a little bit peeved at you because she's going to have to print out all those sheets, but that's what she's instructed to do. In fact, this week I, I asked her, I have, I have my giving statement for the last 12 months. They're on the rail, or you can pick up a copy over there. Um, that's fairly transparent. That's fine. You can look. You can see how much I gave to our world mission offering or to whatever other offering we had. It's there. Because I want you to know that's as transparent as I can get. And that's just the last 12 months. Uh, That's every week. I am sorry. Uh, My point being, I'm a tither. I do not ask you to do anything that I do not do myself and have not done, quite honestly, since I mowed Mrs. Noble's yard for $5 on Kessler Street in Wichita Falls when I was 10 years old. And my daddy said, 50 cents of that is God's. And I said, yes, sir. And I took that. Smith men doesn't take a lot of communication. Boy, 50 cents of that is God's. I took that until I died. 10% was God's. And my daddy hasn't told me anything otherwise since then. Um, And so um, my encouragement to you is to pray for us as a church that we would take time of God's people, the talents of God's people, and the money of God's people that are entrusted to us and that we would invest it in such a way that it would have an eternal impact. Amen? Amen. If you would stand with me this morning. Uh, Let me pray as Brother Shane comes to lead us. Father, today we acknowledge that you are the giver of all things, that you are creator, even as we've sung. You spoke everything we see into existence, and it was good, and you you did it for us, Father, because you loved us. And Father, we pray that we would use the things that you've blessed us with. Uh, All of us have the same amount of time. We have various talents, and Father, we have various financial resources but I pray that we would, 
we would use those as Huntington First Baptist Church for your glory first, but also that we would use it to impact people for eternity. And so we ask for wisdom in these days to do that, and we pray it in Jesus' name.